Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I hated myself. I was stuck and hopeless. I destroyed relationships, almost all of them. I felt like I was a burden to the ones who did stick around. Alcohol was making all my decisions at that point. And if you were in my way or if you made me feel guilty for drinking or anything like that, well, okay, see ya. And I'll just continue to party and do whatever the hell I want. My guest today is named Leanne Richardson. She is a YouTuber and the founder of Sober City in Nova Scotia, Canada. They offer meetups, resources, and inspiration to help people get sober and connect with like-minded people. Welcome to the show, Leanne. All right. Well, hello. My name is Leanne Richardson. I am a content creator, an entrepreneur, and an addictions advocate. Um, Basically, to summarize it, I have a YouTube channel where I talk about addictions and mental health, generally around alcohol recovery. And I have a local business here in Nova Scotia where I connect people in sobriety to meet other people and share resources and, and stuff like that. So that's Yeah, YouTuber and uh, business owner, but for a local business here. And um, yeah, I've been just over eight years sober and love talking about all things recovery related and and mental health. Awesome. I'm so glad to have you on. And and before we get too far into the episode, I need to give a shout out to Matthew from the Good People, Bad Intentions podcast. Yes. Um, It's kind of a funny story. So my wife sent me a picture of Matthew. I think it was on Instagram. And she said, this guy is your podcast doppelganger. And I was like, okay. So I was looking at his profile and then I ended up sending him a message and I was like, my wife thinks that you're my doppelganger. And I sent him a picture of me and then we started chatting and he mentioned you specifically. He said, I had a guest on not too long ago. She's in recovery. I think she would be a great fit for your show. And he sent me a link to the episode and I listened to the episode as soon as I finished, I sent you a message like, Hey, uh, you want to be on my podcast? And you messaged back almost instantly, like, I would love to. Yes. And here we are now. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I love how that happens, you know, like a snowball effect with, uh, Oh, you heard this? Here's this person. And then, yeah, here we are. Exactly. And then I had another person that does some MMA, some MMA stuff that I that I did an episode with a while back. And I was like, Hey, you might talk to these guys. They're pretty cool. So we kind of did like a little guest swap kind of thing. Like, Hey, here's somebody that would fit your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about collaboration, man. Like I love that. After I posted the side by side on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Matthew sent me a message. So here it is. 
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Recovery Survey. And today, our friends at 23andMe have decided to sponsor this episode and have reunited me with my long-lost brother from the East Coast of Canada, Matthew Pine. See, I had some doubts about my ancestry, and once I submitted my saliva sample to them, it was a fairly lengthy process about a month I got my results and I didn't know but podcasting is in my blood thank you for being such a good sport about this whole thing Matthew I really do appreciate it and if you guys haven't already please 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 if you are a fan of boxing or MMA or any kind of martial arts please be sure to check out the good people bad intentions podcast there will be a link in the show notes Absolutely. I love, I love doing the collaboration and, and meeting other people in the podcast world and in the recovery world. And it's just, it's so awesome to make those connections and find all the similarities we have, because even though you and I are on total opposite ends, like I'm in Texas, you're in Nova Scotia. I'm sure once you get into your story, I'm going to be going, yeah, yeah, I've done that. I've been there. I felt that. And that's what I love about recovery and just having these conversations. Same. Um, and I've, I've always said, cause some people sometimes leave comments on my YouTube videos and they say like, Oh, you don't know me, but blah. okay. First off, I don't know you, but if you're also in recovery, it's like, we're instantly family. And I really do mean that it's like, we instantly have a connection instantly just because we have, we know what the bullshit of addiction entails. So right away, I don't know you sure, but like, no, we're, we're cool now, you know? Right. 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 I love that. Yeah. Well, if you wouldn't mind, maybe you could just kind of let let the listeners know, kind of give them a little bit of the backstory, who you are and, and what you're about. Sure. Um, so well, I got sober at the age of 30. I'm 38 now. So, yeah, just over eight years. And um, but before getting sober at 30, it's uh, I feel like uh, there's so many similarities between my story and what I've heard from others. You know, generally, I mean, I grew up happy, healthy household. Um, my parents were younger, so there was a lot of parties, um, occasionally in the house. So I was around that environment. There was always alcohol, but it wasn't, it didn't seem like it was in an unhealthy way. That's just sort of just part of the culture here. And, um, and then, you know, around the age of 13 started to to drink and, and party with friends and marijuana and hash became a thing. And then, um, late teen years, um, you know, started to get a little bit more around drinking, but it was, uh, binge drinking, uh, for the most part, you know, in, in teen years, um, I had an eating disorder for a minute there in the middle. Um, I was full of, uh, full of emotions and intensity as a teenager. So I felt like alcohol and, uh, and self-harm and eating disorder were, they, those were all my ways to control the intensity I had inside bad for long-term success. PS great for in the moment, but didn't really work out very well for me. And so then enter my twenties where it just got worse and worse and worse uh, with more drugs being introduced into my life. And way more drinking, way more binge drinking and drinking often. But then I would go through periods of a few months where I'd drink, I don't know, a few drinks once a week and it was totally chill. So I was like, oh, I don't have a problem. But my mom would always say like, be careful. Alcoholism runs in both sides of your family. You got to be careful. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like I last drank like three weeks ago. That's no big deal. But it did progress till it was more and more until my late 20s. 
uh, the years before I quit for good were of course the worst. And they got worse uh, with each passing month where I found myself homeless a couple times. Um, self-harm was way more rampant. I, I hated myself. I was stuck and hopeless. I destroyed relationships, almost all of them. I felt like I was a burden to the ones who did stick around um, just from being homeless and having to sleep on people's couches and like not know where I'm going. And, and so twice, maybe three times, I moved to the other side of the country thinking that, okay, I got to get my life together. You know, I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to move to the other side of the country. That will fix me. But really, it just introduced me to new kinds of drugs on the other side of the country. So, and a new way of living with a life full of debauchery and doing whatever the hell I wanted. That's one thing I would always say is that I, I do what I want. I'm 27. I do what I want. I'm 29. I do what I want. And uh, being selfish is sort of like a hallmark of people living in act- active addiction. And that certainly was for me. I did whatever the hell I wanted. I didn't care who I hurt. Sure, there was a little part of me that that cared, but alcohol was making all my decisions at that point. And if you were in my way, or if you made me feel guilty for drinking or anything like that, well, okay, see ya. And I'll just continue to party and do whatever the hell I want. Suicidal ideation became a thing and I was starting to get way worse mentally, but I was stuck. I didn't know what the hell, I didn't know what to do. So poor, felt like I had all these, all this potential, but how the hell am I going to get there? I'm dirt poor and I'm drinking all the time. This is the only thing that makes me feel normal. What do I do? And then, yeah, March 2nd, 2014, it was a night like any other night where I went out and, and I uh, got super drunk, came home, had that same uh, suicidal thoughts and, and wanting to self-harm. And I did, and, and uh, I ended up being taken to the hospital in a police car and <laughs> came back home and was sober enough and went to sleep. And then the next morning I was like, huh, I feel like something switched in my brain. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I'm done. I'm never drinking again. I can't. And I meant it. I went to AA like a couple days later and uh, cause I didn't know what else to do. And the rest is history. Like literally I, I said, I can't ever drink again or I'm going to die. And uh, so I, I didn't. And now knock on wood, it's, I feel like it's, it's stuck. I don't see myself drinking ever again, but that's, Basically, yeah, my story got worse and worse until I was like, nope. And then it just kept going. My life trajectory of getting better and better. Wow. And that's that's incredible just to hear that that you stuck and stayed like the first time. Cause yeah. I know for me and for so many other people, it's like you find the rooms and you hear some stuff and you're like, Yeah, maybe this will work, or you haven't you're not to that point where you were at where you're like, I'm done, like this is it. Mm-hmm. And I had that cycle where I was like in and out, in and out. Like I want, I was like, I kind of want recovery. I don't want, I don't want the repercussions. I don't want the consequences of my Mm -hmm. behavior, but I still want to get high. I still want to have that, you know, like you were talking about that self-centeredness, that, that lifestyle of whatever I want, whatever feels good to me. Like that's all that matters and forget anybody else, forget about their feelings or what may happen. The consequences, like Just, I do what I want when I want. Yep, exactly. And, and yeah, I think a lot of people have tried to get sober a few times and then went back and to live in that gray area for a while. And I'm the personality type where I, it has to be all or nothing. I'm very extreme in every aspect of my life. So of course it only translated over into sobriety. I did get, I did take a month off 
from drinking um, right before I got sober, quote unquote, for good. And I did a full 30 days. Wow, I, I can do it. And then it was Christmas. Um, so and I allowed myself to drink. I was like, okay, I can do another month. And I only lasted a week. And I was like, oh, no. And then the next month is when I quit for good. So I did try it a little bit. So I know I, but I don't fully know what it's like to have that struggle maybe for years where, yeah, you're going in and out of the rooms and you're always going back and, oh God, that would be horrible. I feel like I'm lucky in, in a, in a, in a way where it seemed like it was a switch that went off in my head really to ha- to help initiate mm. sobriety. Yeah, definitely. And I, I would agree that it is, it's terrible because to me, once once you start having like some of those cliches and some of those sayings and stuff in your head, I feel like it kind of, it kind of kills your buzz a little bit, you know, it kind of makes it not as much fun anymore. And you're like, man, I know Mm -hmm. I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't be doing this. And you're, you know, you have all those cliches. You're like, one is too many, a thousand's never enough. And you're, yes. You're like, oh why, my goodness. Why? Why did I do this? Like, ugh. yeah. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go because I already was full of guilt and shame to the brim. I couldn't imagine, um, you know, quitting and then going back and being in that. It was so. It was harder, I think, maybe in some ways for me because I was so dead set against it. Um, it made it harder that I couldn't even say yes sometimes, you know, but I don't know. There's pros and cons. And I, I just love that we have the the two different experiences and, you know, I'm sure there's people that are listening that are in both camps. There's some people that are listening and that they got it the first time. There's other people that are listening that are, that have been in and out and, you know, it took them a while to get it. And there's probably some other people yeah. that are listening that haven't quite got there yet. So, you know, there's, there's just so many different avenues there's so many different spaces there's so many different places that people could be at right now that are listening and i think Mm -hmm. it's great just to hear different perspectives and for people to know that that recovery doesn't look the same for everybody like like we're talking about you know you got it the first time i didn't but here we are you have eight years i have seven and a half so like we're we're on the same trajectory now but you know it took us a little bit a little bit of a different path to get there yeah, everyone's so different in how we got to the point where we realize we need to quit or slow down. So everyone's recovery is going to look different as well. I think people forget that part. But, but yeah, we're all so very different. And every week I host uh, like an online uh, meeting for people here in Nova Scotia to talk about sobriety. So I get to hear their stories of how it's going for them. And it's really helpful. What you're doing is sharing different people's stories so people can hear that, hey, wait a second. Like, okay, so it's they did it this way and that's valid. So it really opens people's mind to realize there's so much more uh, possibilities of what both sides look like, you know? Absolutely. And I've learned so much just through having this podcast about different kinds of recovery. You know, I came in with, with the mindset of 12 step is the way. Mm -hmm. And I've learned through all these different conversations that there's so many ways that are valid. You know, there's other programs, there's people that they get sober without a program that just do like prayer and meditation or mm-hmm. exercise or, you know, yeah. uh, MAT, you know, there's so many different avenues to recovery that are valid. And I was kind of closed minded and thought that the way that I was doing it was the only way. So it's, it's really cool to, to learn about all these different ways of, that people are recovering. Yeah, I agree fully because yeah, I was the exact same way. And I even said to one of my friends when I was, cause you know, when you're in the first like six months of recovery and sure it's very hard and your brain is all over the place and you don't know like what your future holds and you're full of terror and overwhelm. 
but then you, you're like, but I'm sober and it feels good. So I was in that moment. And I told one of my friends who was, uh, in the depths of alcoholism. And I was like, you have to come to a meeting with me. This is the only way that you're going to get sober. And I was like, I'll give you a big book. I'll, I'll do all these things. And, and I, I turned him off from me. He mm-hmm. didn't talk to me for a very long time because I was so extreme with it. Um, I've since apologized and said, I'm sorry, that's not for you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was one of them. And I mean, I think that could apply really to anything. Cause if I think back to when I was drinking and using, there were plenty of people in my life that told me that I needed to stop. And it wasn't until I got to the point where I yeah. was ready, then recovery became possible, you know, cause I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sick and tired of doing this. What are my options? How do I, how do I not do this? I was in that same place as you, where it's like, I'm broke. I don't know what to do. You know, this has been the way I've been living my life for so long. I, I don't know any other way, but I don't want to live this way anymore. So somebody yeah. help. I don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. I was like, someone help. So I was like, uh, AA, that's what people do. And I did. And I loved it. Oh my God. It changed my life dramatically. Yeah. So of course we're going to think, um, well, this is what everyone should do. But no, doesn't not not necessarily. So if if you wouldn't mind, maybe you could share with us what your life looks like today. What are some of the the gifts you've received in recovery? You know, what are what are some things that people might be able to to you know? What are some things if if people are stuck in addiction and they're looking like, here's somebody that's in recovery. Here's what their life looks like. You know, what are some of the beautiful things that that have happened for you? Yeah. Well. Before I got sober, I did touch on a little bit how my brain was all over the place. My thoughts were everywhere. Nothing was like cohesive. Nothing made sense. So that made my world feel very chaotic. Um, and I didn't, I just thought I was, I, I thought I damaged my brain. So I thought my brain could never be smart or have like um, deep thoughts because I was so all over the place. Um, so when I got sober, that part was what I started to notice right away. Like it's some days I could almost like almost feel my brain rewiring itself. And I could even see how my, my thoughts were starting to change, which was awesome because then I was like, okay, now I'm having clear thoughts again. And, and that lessens the chaos in in your life. Once your brain starts to cooperate um, when it's not so in uh, fight or flight mode, constantly 24 seven. So I started to notice my thoughts getting better. And I, well, I said, well, I'm stuck with my life. I'm poor. What do I do? So I ended up, uh, I went back to school with the help of government grants. And I was, I was like 30 going back to school after being out of it for like 12, 14 years. So I thought I was like, there's no way I can learn again. I I'm broken, but turns out, no, that's not true. I ended up graduating with honors and I ended up getting a a job I'm still in today, a career I love. So that was one of the major things that sobriety has given me. And I really do mean that it really is because I got sober. Before when I was an active addiction, I would hear people say that. I was like, um, no, that's just, that's just drinking. You're just drinking a drink that has nothing to do with you know, your life. And so, but no, for real, I would never have been able to do this stuff when I was still drinking because I was so off the rails with it. And I was not able to control my drinking whatsoever. So I wouldn't have been able to study or hold down this job because in previous jobs, I would have been drinking at work sometimes. And I would have been hungover and not my best. And management sees that when you're hungover and you're not doing your best. So, so sobriety really did give me a better, uh, a, like a better brain and, and more healthy way to live in life. 
I've always wanted a car. I always wanted to go grocery shopping without looking at the, the prices and put my groceries in the trunk of my own car. That was a goal I had when I first got sober. And then I did it four years later. So accomplishing goals like that, I never thought I'd ever get my license. That costs money to do a road test and stuff. You know, I never had money because I was drinking and buying cigarettes, but um, I was able to do that. And, And now my life eight years in so much more different than the first two, three, four years, as I'm sure you know. So eight years in is is still very different and it literally does keep on getting better. But now I just, I'm just free. And I feel like the possibilities are endless. Sure, I'm 38. So, I mean, it depends on who you ask. Some people would say, oh, you're still young. But I feel like, man, I there's so much that I quote unquote missed. But I don't think so because I'm like, sure, my 20s were hell and and getting sober was very hard and I cried a million tears, but I wouldn't change it for anything because, you know, I, I have all this experience and perspective now at this age. And also, too, speaking of age, I don't look my age. That's another great thing about being sober is that um, it's no longer sucking all the moisture to your skin anymore, you know, so and you have a life back in you. You don't look gray and and sad and sickly anymore. So you just feel revived, really. So that's what my life is now. I'm just like revived. I'm free. And it's so much more colorful than I could have ever imagined, which is crazy to say, but it's so true. I totally agree with you on that. Life life is nothing like I expected it to be. And you know, there's a there's a cliche that I've heard in, in meetings and people say if, if we wrote down a list of the things that we expected that we would get when we went into recovery that we would be selling ourselves short. And I think it's true because I've my my life is nothing like what I ever imagined that it would be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And back then, like I didn't know what it was like to be sober. All I could imagine was that it'd be boring and that I would not live my life to the fullest because I felt like the only way to be myself is when I was drunk because then I was more happier or seemed like I was more happier and funnier and I could dance better and all that kind of stuff. But no, man, that was, that wasn't real. (laughs) Long-term, it wasn't real. It was real in the moment, but long-term, no, not real. Agreed. Agreed. All right, so we're going to get to the recovery survey part because you were asking before we were we were yeah. recording if I had any questions, and um, so I was going to ask you, what does your daily routine look like? Is there any kind of uh, like prayer, meditation, books you read, anything like that 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 you've implemented in your life? Yeah, um, and this answer changes through the years, um, but right now, at eight years in, I'm I'm about two years into the business that I created here in Nova Scotia, so. I focus a lot on that and a lot of my YouTube channel. So every day I'm thinking about recovery in one way or another, whether it's interacting with comments on my YouTube channel, um, you know, or or progressing my business. So in that way, I'm always checking in with my own recovery, which is great. And it, and it doesn't get old talking about and thinking about all the time. I think it keeps me on track. And, um, and every, every week, like I said, I, I host a meeting. So I feel like that's my way of, helping or maybe giving back because I don't go to any kind of 12 step meetings anymore. I mean, I do every once in a while, um, but mostly as a support, if anyone wants to go when they're afraid to go alone, I'll go with them. I feel like I've incorporated 
you know, the meetings that I, that I put on, which is, man, I, it's just a meetup. We just talk for an hour about what's going on in our lives. I feel like that way of giving back helps me in my recovery and helps other people as well. But as for that's more weekly, but as for daily, I mean, it's just to focus on sure on self-care, but also to remember how your actions affect other people, which took me a very long time to figure out. And I'm still learning because I'm still can be really selfish in those ways where I'm like, well, this is what I have to do, you know, for my own mental health, but really it's hurting, say my husband or someone else I'm close to. So I'm learning, I'm being more self-aware every day. And that looks generally, it would come from being more mindful and not getting so wrapped up in my own thoughts. So to like literally take a, a moment and do like a little mini meditation every day where I just sit and I literally just look around the room and I breathe and I just allow my thoughts to just slowly slow down and just take five minutes and look around. That helps a lot. Um, it sounds like nothing, but, but really once you do it every day, it starts to, it's, it's great. So yeah, I think that would be it at this point, eight years in, that's what it looks like for me. Nice. Nice. I like that. And, and another question I'd like to ask is, was there any, is there any sort of like famous quote or something that someone said to you early on in recovery or like before you got sober, that's like really stuck with you, really resonated with you? Very good question. And the first, the first thing that I think anyone said to me, as soon as I walked through the doors of my first AA meeting I ever went to, and I was on the verge of tears and I was so scared and, and a woman came up to me and she said, don't, don't think of it as forever. Don't, don't say you're going to, it's, it's forever. And, and now I know that's, that's a common thing that people say, but at that time I had never heard it before and it made me feel so much better. So, but then the second one, when I was like the next day after uh, the last night I drank, I texted a friend and because I was like, I, I'm, I'm getting sober. What do I do? I'm, I'm, I'm petrified. And she said, just so you know, the uh, guilt and shame is going to go away. That's like one of the first things she said to me. And I was blown away. I was like, how the hell did you know I had guilt and shame? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, you know, and she, and she was right. So those two don't think about it as forever. And the guilt and shame will go away and you'll start to feel lighter. I like that. Don't think about it being forever. Cause I think that was a big hang up for me in the beginning, like mm-hmm. going to meetings. Cause I first started going to meetings when I was, uh, I think I just turned 22 when I went to my first meeting. So I was like, wow. what do you mean forever? Like I can't ever have another drink. Like I'm, I'm 22. I've only been of yeah. legal age here in the States for a year. Like, what do you mean? I can't ever have another, like, sure. I did plenty of drinking before, Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, I was of legal age, but I was like, what do you mean? I, I can't like, that's so overwhelming, mm-hmm. especially at that age. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That could scare someone off for like a decade, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it took me about another two years before I, I figured everything out, but, but yeah, that was, I, I wish someone had been there to say, I, I don't think anybody told me that it wasn't not to think oh, about it as forever. Yeah. And so that was like, my thought was like, wait, forever? Like, what do you mean? Like, 
What about when I'm 60? I can't sit on my porch and like mm-hmm. smoke a joint or like have mm-hmm. a glass of whiskey or something. It's like, what do you? Yeah. But now at seven and a half years, I look at it. And I'm like, I don't have any interest in that. Yeah. It's not funny. I have no desire to do that. Even like I know today I have freedom of choice. And if I wanted to, as soon as we finish this episode, I could drive down the street to the liquor store. But there's nothing appealing about that to me anymore. There, I yeah. know that it's not going to benefit me. I know that it's not going to help my life to continue on this path that I'm on. You know, mm-hmm. I've been, I've been successful in some people's eyes. I mean, I'm not like wealthy or anything, but you know, I have a wife and a daughter and, mm-hmm. and we have a house and I have a career that I like. And, you know, my life is on a trajectory that I like. And I know that if I went and picked up that bottle that, it's going to go off course and there's just, Mm -hmm. there's no benefit for that temporary relief. Exactly. There's no benefit for that temporary relief. Definitely. Because you built your life up. Same as me. I I built my life up so much now that I can't let it all fall because I'd be falling so far. So build your life up like you're doing as well. Yeah. Yeah. There was a guy, I can't remember his name, but he commented on one of my posts on, on Instagram the other day. And I like what he said. He said, we may be further down the road, but we're still just as close to the ditch as we were on day one. Yeah. That's like, ah, that makes so much sense. Like, yeah, I'm further down, but but one bad choice and I could be right back, right back yeah. where I was. I like that analogy. That's a good one. Yeah. Feel free to steal it. I feel like I feel like that's all that that's our program though. Like we hear something and we just like borrow borrow things from people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cause yeah, you never know who needs to hear it right then. So, and also too, um, there's someone in, in the Sunday meetings I do who he uses the analogy often where it's similar to that, where, but he says, you know, when you're further down the path, like make sure that you can still always see a little bit of the beginning, oh. you know, break some trees as you go so that you never forget how bad it was. So you're not tempted to go back and romanticize the past. Like make sure you can still see the light from not even light, the darkness of what you came from. You know, I like that. I like that. And I think that's, I think that's good for anybody, but especially as you get further along, because I feel like my mind kind of plays those tricks on me sometimes that when I think back on, on the air quotes, good old days, like I think about I don't ever think about the bad times. Typically, mm-hmm. typically I think about the good times, you know, I think about that first high or, yeah. you know, that, that summer night laying by the, by the river, like high out of my mind with my friends. Like, you know, I think about, I think about the good times. I don't think about all the times when I sat yeah. alone and I was, you know, depressed and suicidal and, mm-hmm. you know, didn't, didn't know what to do. You know, that just that, that sense of like hopelessness and desperation and, and, you know, all the, all the pain. I never think about those times when I'm like romanticizing. I'm thinking about like all the fun in quotes. Yeah. That's, that's just, I think that's going to be natural. We're humans and that, and that's okay. Those thoughts used to scare me. Like, Oh no, does that mean a relapse is coming? Like, Oh God. Cause some people would say, yes, that's what that means. But I think no, we're humans. It's okay. We don't have to believe all of our thoughts. Our thoughts are going to sometimes tell us that like, it's okay to like, go get high or drink right now because your best friend's bachelorette. Like you don't need to go with that thought. You don't need to go with every thought you have. It's okay. You're human. That means your brain is working. You're good. Yeah. There's an old timer at at my home group and he always says, don't believe everything you think. And it took me so long to understand what that meant. And now today I'm like, that makes so much sense because Mm -hmm. I, I think of some crazy stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, my God. Totally. Like, we all can. I think, yeah, it just means your brain's working. Sometimes I'm like, man, if people could see, if somebody could like get in my head, I would be in an insane asylum or something. Cause I have some, oh, yeah. I have some crazy thoughts sometimes. My husband says the exact <laughs> same thing. And he's like, no, no, you just don't understand. Like, I'm like, no, it's okay. You're a very imaginative person and that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay. So here's a question for you. Yeah. Is your husband also in recovery? Good question. I love when people ask for that. And no, but he's one of those people I could never relate to him. He thinks alcohol is dumb. He thinks drinking is stupid and I don't get it. So he drinks once he, he says like once a year, you know, if he's out, he might have a beer or two. But then when it comes to that once a year time he and there's beer there, he's like, ah, I don't want it. It's gross. Yuck. So it's very strange, but, um, he does utilize marijuana to help with lots of like anxiety and sleep and stuff like that. So, so he is consuming something that is mind altering, but for alcohol, no, he thinks it sucks. And it's dumb. It's so strange. <laughs> That's very strange. Yeah. Now, my, my mom's the same way. Like, I think she's had maybe two drinks in her entire life. Yeah. Like, what? Right. I don't get it. I don't either. And my dad's kind of, I mean, my dad, my dad drinks a little bit. You know, he'll have like a one or two drinks, but he said he's been drunk like once in his life. And he said, I don't like the feeling of being out of control. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't like the feeling of being out of control? Like, that's the whole thing. I know. I've heard people say that before, too. I was like, that's that's it. That's the goal. Are you joking? Right. I want to be so I want to I mean, not now, but back then I wanted to feel like I was so out of my mind that I was in control. It was weird. So weird that people don't like that feeling. It's strange. I don't think it, I don't think in the past I ever drank without getting to that point. Like that yeah. was the end goal every exactly. time. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. We survived somehow. Yes. We did. And now we're now we're sharing our stories and trying to help trying to help the next person, you know. And I think that's that's mm -hmm. the beauty of this whole recovery thing, you know, is it's and just like we were talking about going down the road, like we get to be, we get to be the people that helped us when we first came around. Like now, now that somebody's given me that hand up, now I get to turn around and give somebody else a hand up. And, and, and that's just, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And it's hard. It's hard for me to not want my entire life to be centered around like helping the next person yep. because I know like what a deep, dark, terrible place that addiction was. And, and I feel like it would be a waste for me to get out of that and then not help somebody else that's in that same situation. So, you know, that's yeah. part of the reason that I do the podcast and the live stream. And I'm sure that's the same reason that you do your YouTube channel and, mm -hmm. and you're helping people on social media and, and in person and however we can, like, yeah. it just seems like the natural progression is like, we have to help that next person. It does. It feels like the natural progression for me as well. And, uh, and and I think a lot of people feel that way. And it doesn't even have to look like how we're doing it, which is very public with podcast and YouTube channel. It could just look like, you know, like your, your cousin is thinking about getting sober and you share how, how you did and support them. It could look that way too. It doesn't have to look how you and I are doing it. It could be in any kind of way. So, or if people aren't even comfortable even sharing that they're sober for like the first year, that's okay too. You don't need to. Um, you and I are just, I think we're more that type where we we're like, we want to get it out there as far as we possibly can to help people, you know, and share our story. And I think that's so um, important because 
I mean, addiction, that can happen to any human. So the more humans who are in recovery, who talk about it, the more chance we have people to be like, oh, wait, he looks like me. He sounds like me. Like I can relate to him. And if he can do it, I can do it. So Mm -hmm. the more voices, the better. I I agree a hundred percent. And, and I'm not really that person. Like I'm, I'm kind of the, I consider myself to be more of an introvert. My wife thinks that I'm not, um, I feel like I'm a social introvert, maybe once I'm comfortable, like I'm fine talking, but I, I guess I'm just bad at like meeting new people and trying to have those conversations. Sometimes I feel like it's easier with people in recovery because we already have so much in common. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was one of those people that the first several years, I didn't want to tell people I was in recovery because for starters, because I'd had so many relapses and restarts and like. I didn't want to be like, Hey, I'm in recovery and then get a couple months in and then fail. And then I have to be like, well, I messed up. So I think part of it was that I didn't want to let people know because I didn't want people to see me fail, which Mm -hmm. is again, selfish. I didn't want to look like a failure, but I think part of it was I, I was still kind of embarrassed. I hadn't gotten to the point where I was ready to let everybody know like what my life had looked like, even though Mm -hmm. most of the people involved in my life knew like all the terrible things I had done or at least some of them. But yeah, today is a totally different story and, and I just want to help people, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. And yeah, it just took some time. Yeah. And this podcast just kind of happened. I never planned on being a podcast host. You know, I just, my higher power, I felt like kind of told me to start a podcast and I bought a $20 mic on Amazon and I recorded some stuff and then COVID-19 hit and I got stuck in the house for a few weeks before I had to go back to work. And, mm-hmm. or I guess it was more like a month and the podcast just kind of snowballed. And yeah. you know, here we are like two years later and I'm talking to somebody that's just like me in Nova Scotia. Like, isn't that cool? <laughs> I know. It's eh? so cool. Really <laughs> that's so great. I love that. How, yeah, you have callings like that and they just sort of happen and they, and then it feels good. And, uh, you look, you look the part, you sound the part like just, yeah, from this side. And when I heard a few of your episodes that you have, that you had out already and I was like, yeah, no, you sound very profound. You have a very good voice and and you really listen and let the person fully speak and you have really good things to say back. So yeah, anyway, you're doing all the right things. So good choice in uh, podcasting. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Cause I, I kind of had like that imposter syndrome coming into yes. it because I'm like, I don't have any kind of broadcast experience. I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I have this really cool $20 microphone from Amazon. Like <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing and sometimes I still have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, I just, just keep doing it. Exactly. I would stack milk crates and put a sad lamp on top, you know, like a sad lamp for like depression. That yeah. would be my YouTube lights on a stack of like books and milk crates and like, yeah, like a, a like a $40 cyber shot camera webcam. And man, it's still there's, if you were to see my setup, yeah, it's not professional, but like, they don't know it's our voice and our story that matters. Absolutely. Yeah. My, 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 my equipment has been upgraded a little bit over time, like as I progressed and, you know, it's still not like professional level, but you know what, like you said, it's the story that matters. It's the conversations we have. It's giving people that, that little shot of hope of like, Hey, if, if we can do it, so can you. And, and, you know, 
I'm just hopeful every time that I put on an episode that there's somebody that, that listens to it and whoever the guest is, whatever their story is, that, that there's like a connection there. And that's the that's the missing piece that they needed to, to get into recovery or to get to that next step, you know, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's kind of the goal is just, you know, hoping that something that's said on this episode helps somebody else. Yeah. And that's already happening because I same with my YouTube channel and I've, I'll get those comments of saying like, Oh, you said this at this timestamp and man, that was exactly what I needed to hear or whatever. Mm. So yeah, it's happening and it's happening for your podcast as well. People love just listening to other people's stories for those reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting kind of towards the end of the time and you've mentioned your YouTube channel. So if you wouldn't mind, how do people find you on YouTube? What are some other social media platforms they can connect with you on? Just tell us everything you're involved in and how we can find you. Yeah. All right. Well, the number one spot um, would be through my YouTube channel. And then when you click on the about tab on my YouTube channel, which is addicted to happy, by the way, that's the name of the channel. Yeah. If you were to click on about, that's where the links are for my personal Instagram, because I changed my personal Instagram name. Um, I mean, right now it's LA underscore moon M E W N, but because I changed my Instagram handle, I'll just always update my YouTube about page. So just click on there if you want to find my personal one. But um, other than my YouTube, it would be my my business, which is Sober City, which is Nova Scotia based, but I'm looking to expand. But uh, SoberCity.ca, I do write a lot of different uh, alcohol recovery articles and I share resources um, and also on Instagram, Sober City HFX, as in Halifax, is uh, the Instagram account for that. So that's all sobriety related memes and stuff like that. So that's not necessarily local uh, fully. So, so yeah, SoberCity.ca or my YouTube channel, Addicted to Happy, or the, are the two spots that you can always find me. Awesome. And I will be sure to include those links in the show notes so people that are listening can scroll down and just tap on those links to get to those different different places. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Leanne, I appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing part of your story. And it's just always great to connect with somebody else that, that's been in a similar spot as us. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. just it's great to have these conversations. And I really do appreciate you taking time out of your day and and having this conversation with me. Yes. Thanks for asking me to come on. Cause yeah, like I said, I love talking about this stuff and today is it's I'll just be editing YouTube videos all day. So literally this is a really nice break in between. So I'm just going to get right back to editing. <laughs> and, and once again, I'm going to give another shout out to Matthew for, from the uh, good people, bad intentions podcast. And I think, I think I'm actually going to post like a side-by-side photo on social media of the two of us. So people that are listening to the episode can go on social media and, and they can decide yeah. if they really do think that we are doppelgangers because my wife is convinced that that we look very similar you definitely look like you'd be cousins yeah for sure i mean we have like we have like similar glasses small eyes. we wear like the same kind of hat we both have facial hair like there's a lot of similarities there for sure definitely and the smooth voice too yeah i agree yeah definitely yeah that's a good idea do the side by side yeah so be on the lookout for that that'll be on social medias Leanne, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. I would encourage you guys to check out Addicted to Happy on YouTube. Leanne puts out some fantastic videos. 
You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.